Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the Dion Gordon Podcast. I am your host, the connoisseur of common sense, the purveyor of authenticity, and the man who calls everything right down the middle. Dion Tyree Gordon, enough of the bullshit. Let's get to work. We are not going to mince words. We are not going to beat around any bushes. We are not going to fuck around. We are shoving all of our chips to the center of the table, standing on brass tacks, cut right to the chase, get directly to the meat and potatoes of the matter. Brock Purdy, quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers, is your front runner for NFL League MVP for the 2023-2024 NFL football season. Allow me to retort, Brock Purdy, quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers, is the front runner for NFL League MVP. Oh, you didn't hear me the first two times. Well, I'll, I'll go ahead and repeat myself. Brock Purdy, quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers, is the front runner, the leader in the clubhouse, sitting comfortably in pole position in the driver's seat for NFL League MVP. Fuck what you heard and fuck whoever told you that shit. The bottom line is when you look at everybody in the NFL, look at their resume, their credentials, their overall body of work for what they've done this season, this calendar year, 2023, 2024. This is not a lifetime achievement award. We're talking strictly about this season. Brock Purdy quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers is currently, as of right now, Wednesday, December 7th, December 6th, excuse me, belay my last, December the 6th, in the year of our Lord, 2023, Brock Purdy is the front runner for NFL League MVP. Now, when I say that, I already know, I can already hear people, I can already see people saying, what the fuck, get out of here, man, you're out of your mind, you're a homer, you're biased, you're a 49er fan, of course you say that. Brock Purdy can't be league MVP, he's not even the best player on his own team. What does he even do? All he does is dink and dunk and get the ball to all the, all the playmakers around him, a myriad, a litany, a plethora of highly skilled playmakers he's surrounded by. He's not that good. He has a noodle arm. He's not very talented. Nothing he does leaps off the, off the screen to you. Nothing he does is all that explosive. Look at him. He looks like a fucking geek. He looks like he's 12 years old. He looks like Kyle Shanahan brought his son to work and let him play quarterback for the 49ers. Nothing physically imposing. He appears to be a quiet, unassuming guy, a regular, normal-looking dude. Brock Purdy looks like the shift lead at your local Target. Brock Purdy looks like the youth pastor at the Church of Jesus Christ and Latter-day Saints. Nothing about him stands out to you from a physical, aesthetic level. He's not 6'5", he's not 240, he's not your prototypical NFL quarterback, and that's the issue. That's why there's so many naysayers and detractors and non-believers. That's why so many people frown upon the concept, the notion, the idea that Brock Purdy could potentially be NFL League MVP, the most valuable player in the National Football League, realistically could be Brock Purdy. I'm on board with it. I believe it. I'm promoting it. I'm endorsing it. I'm telling you right now, in my opinion, 
It's not just because I'm a 49er fan. It's not just because he's the quarterback of my favorite football team. I'm telling you what I see this season. Who else is really in the conversation? You could talk about Dak Prescott. I'll give you that. But I'll, I'll also point out how Dak has not played well against quality opponents. He's 0-2 against Philadelphia and San Francisco. And against the 49ers, the Cowboys got their asses handed to them on a silver platter 42-10. And this past Sunday, the Eagles, led by another presumptive MVP favorite in Jalen Hurts, Got earth, wind, fire, and ice beaten out of them by the San Francisco 49ers and Brock Purdy, 42-19. to Do you realize the 49ers have beaten the Cowboys and the Eagles by a combined score of 84-29? to You want to talk about standing on business. Brock Purdy has stood firmly on business against elite competition this season. And outside of three games against Minnesota, Cleveland, and Cincinnati, Brock Purdy has stood on business. He sat on business. He squatted on business. He fucked your bitch on business. He smoked an eighth of Gorilla Glue, Blue Dream, and Girl Scout cookies and wedding cake on business. Brock Purdy, even though he's only making $900,000 a year, and has a second job bussing tables at a local Outback Steakhouse in the California Bay Area. Brock Purdy has a roommate. Brock Purdy had to take out a loan from Empower and the Dave app just to make ends meet. Despite that, Brock Purdy standing firmly on business and the front runner for NFL League MVP. I hear you. I hear you through the microphone. I know what you're saying right now. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold the phone. Anybody can do what Brock Purdy is doing. Any quarterback playing in the Kyle Shanahan system can have the same amount of success. Look at Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo won a bunch of games playing for the 49ers, playing in the Kyle Shanahan system. Anybody can do this. This is easy. You could take Mac Jones from New England and put him in the same spot, the same position, and he would have the same success as Brock Purdy. He's really not that good. That's what I keep hearing from people. That's what fans keep telling me. And most importantly, that's what the media keeps telling me. And that's what it's all about. The media is responsible for the fans' ignorance on the talent and overall production and value of Brock Purdy. Because fools on television go on TV and repeat this nonsensical gibberish and tell the fans, tell the public, that anybody can do this. Brock, Brock Purdy is no different than Mac Jones. Jimmy Garoppolo was doing the same thing. No, the fuck he wasn't. I'm a 49er fan. I watch all these games. The Niners were not scoring over 30 points with consistency and regularity when Jimmy Garoppolo was playing quarterback. I've articulated this. I've explained this a number of times, a number of podcasts the Niners won in spite of Jimmy Garoppolo. They did not win because of Jimmy Garoppolo. They won with and in spite of Jimmy Garoppolo. Currently, the 49ers are winning because of Brock Purdy. He's the reason the Niners are winning games. Go back a couple of weeks ago, that Buccaneers game. He had a perfect quarterback rating, 158.3. He tore the Buccaneers in half 
in that game. He absolutely wiped them out, eviscerated the Buccaneers. He's done that a couple of times this season. Did the same thing last Sunday against Philadelphia. The same thing on Sunday night against Dallas on October the 5th. The same thing the first game of the season against Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. Week 2 against the Rams. Stood on business. Thursday night against the Giants. Fucked them up. And go back to last season when Purdy first came into the lineup. San Francisco repeatedly, consistently scoring over 30 points a game. Go back to Thanksgiving against Seattle. Same thing. Offensively kicking ass and who's the quarterback who's the guy pulling the trigger Brock Purdy the narrative that anybody can do what Purdy is doing that any quarterback can fit into the Shanahan system and do the same exact thing that Brock Purdy is doing is complete bullshit Jimmy Garoppolo never did it it hurts me to say it but it's the truth it's reality Trey Lance never did it Brian Hoyer never did it C.J. Beathard never had this kind of success. Nick Mullins, my guy. I'm a Nick Mullins fan, but let's be honest. He was, he was a turnover machine, and the offense was not scoring over 30 a week every time they won football games the same way it is now with Brock Purdy at quarterback. The only point I'll concede to people is that the two most important players on the team are Trent Williams and Debo Samuel. When both those men missed three games this season, the 49ers went 0-3 in those games. And the offense only put up 17 points. Now, a lot of people are trying to hold it against Brock Purdy that he has talented teammates. That's a narrative I'm going to debunk right now. That's a narrative I hate with a passion. Did anybody hold it against Joe Montana that he was out there with Jerry Rice, Dwight Clark, Roger Craig, John Taylor, Brent Jones, and had Bill Walsh calling plays. Did anybody ever hold that against Joe Montana? No, they didn't. No one ever said, well, this guy's only a byproduct of having quality teammates and a Hall of Fame head coach. No one ever said that. Steve Young, same thing. He reaped the same benefits that Joe Montana was uh, uh, beneficial from and enjoyed for a number of years. Every quarterback... Every quarterback in the history of pro football has benefited from having great people around them. You need teammates. You need other motherfuckers that are good, that play at a consistently high level. You need other guys. Patrick Mahomes came into the NFL and had immediate success. You know why? He had Tyreek Hill, he had Travis Kelsey, and Andy Reid on the sideline calling plays. Look at Patrick Mahomes right now this season. He's struggling, not because he sucks, not because he fell off, but because the people around him are trash, the dog shit, they're dropping passes. Marquez Valdez Scanling has hands of stone. He might as well be Ronnie Garvin, rugged Ronnie Garvin. Kadarius Tony, same thing. Hands of stone. Couldn't catch a cold outside ass naked. Could not catch COVID at a Trump rally. And Patrick Mahomes, as a result, is struggling. Joe Burrow has Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd, and he has enjoyed tremendous success so far in his NFL career. He's hurt right now. He's out with a wrist injury, out for the season. You know, Jake Browning on Monday night against Jacksonville had a great night, had a great game. You know why? Jamar Chase is still out there. Just throw it to him, and you'll be successful. Every quarterback in the history of pro football has benefited from having great teammates, Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. Anyone who talks to me knows that's my opinion. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback in the history of pro football. His best season 
from a from a statistical standpoint, 2007, he threw 50 touchdown passes that season. 22 of those passes were caught by Randy Moss. Tom Brady in no other season ever threw 50 touchdown passes. You know why he threw 50 that season? Randy Moss and Wes Welker. When you got great people around you, you can have success. Aaron Rodgers, Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams. John Elway led the Denver Broncos to three Super Bowls in the late 80s and got curb stomped in all three of those games. John Elway never won a Super Bowl until he had great teammates, until he had Terrell Davis, Shannon Sharp, Rod Smith, Ed McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey's father, Ed McCaffrey, and Mike Shanahan on the sideline calling plays. Everybody always talks about how football is the ultimate team sport and then try to hold it against somebody that they have great teammates. I don't understand that. That doesn't make any sense to me. Why are we holding it against Brock Purdy that he has great teammates as if other quarterbacks didn't or don't currently have great teammates? Doesn't make any sense. To me, it's a media narrative. It's an agenda being pushed by the media that can't stand the fact that pick number 262 in the 2022 NFL draft is destroying people on a consistent, regular, weekly basis. The literal last pick in the NFL draft right now is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, maybe even top five. If we're talking about this season, as I said earlier, I don't give out lifetime achievement awards. The only thing I'm concerned with is what are you doing right now, currently, this season? I hear people tell me that Aaron Rodgers is still a top five quarterback in the NFL. He has no Achilles, and he hasn't played this season. He had four games this season. How can you be a top five quarterback in the NFL and you only played four four plays this season and then blew out your Achilles? Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense at all to me. If we're talking about top five, top ten, we're talking about guys that get shit done on a weekly basis. I don't care about how good you were in 2018, 2019, 2012, 2009. To me, that's completely irrelevant. The only thing I care about is what are you doing right now this season. And Brock Purdy right now this season is number one in the entire NFL for all quarterbacks in passer rating, completion percentage, touchdowns versus attempts, yards per attempt, and yards per completion. Five legitimate statistical categories. Brock Purdy is number one, numero uno, the Dundada, sitting in first place in all of those relevant statistical categories. Tell me when I'm telling lies. Look at the amount of games he's had over 140 quarterback rating in the game. It's about five games this season, including last Sunday. As I said earlier, a perfect quarterback rating against Tampa Bay. People try to tell me that Jalen Hurts is the, the, the front runner to win MVP this season. Based on what? The only category that Hurts is better than Purdy in is rushing touchdowns. And let's be honest. Let's be frank. Let's be clear. Let's be transparent. The majority, if not all, of Jalen Hurts' touchdowns Uh, Rushing touchdowns come from 10 motherfuckers pushing him into the end zone. The majority of his success this season stems from his teammates literally pushing him forward for a yard or two yards or whatever the case may be. 
What does that have to do with being a quarterback? You want to tell me he's a better quarterback right now than Brock Purdy? You want to tell me he's a, a better, he's a bigger MVP favorite right now than Brock Purdy? I don't see it. The other guy people tell me about is Tyreek Hill. I'm a Tyreek Hill fan, and he's on pace to get over 2,000 yards as a wide receiver, and that's impressive. That's an absolutely monumentous feat if he can if he can pull it off, if he can do it. But I'll also point this out. Tyreek Hill has not played well against the best competition the Miami Dolphins have faced this season. The Dolphins as a team have not played well against the best competition they faced this season. They lost to Buffalo. They lost to Kansas City. They lost to Philadelphia. And in those games, Tyreek Hill didn't do a whole lot, did not put up crazy numbers. He got shut down for the most part. He wasn't as productive or as explosive as he normally is. To me, I'm evaluating the way you play and perform against elite competition. Brock Purdy against elite competition, awesome. I'm going to say this, and I kind of hinted and alluded to it earlier, but I think, to me personally, the reason why so many people are skeptical and just overall like anti-Brock Purdy and scoff at the notion that he could potentially win league MVP it's the way he looks, and it's who he is, and him being the last pick in the draft. He is a direct threat to that profession, to everybody in the media. That's why everybody in the media, Nick Wright, Colin Cowherd, and so many other worthless douchebags are constantly on television telling everybody about how Brock Purdy's not that good, he's being carried, he's the beneficiary of good teammates, as if he's the only quarterback to ever have good teammates. You know what it is? He's a direct threat to their profession. He makes all of them look stupid because every year there's incessant, nonstop, constant hype going into the NFL draft. And all the analysts, all the so-called experts and pundits can't wait to tell you about how fill-in-the-blank quarterback prospect is going to be the next great NFL quarterback. They're going to dominate the NFL for the next 12 to 15 years. They're going to be the face of the franchise for whatever team drafted them. And then usually they're wrong. Usually those guys end up being busts. They end up being trash, disappointing, underwhelming, not that good. And out of nowhere comes pick number 262, from Iowa State, some dude named Brock Purdy. No one gave a shit about him coming out of college. He was an afterthought. He's not even supposed to be the face of the 49ers right now. That was supposed to be Trey Lance, who was taken in the first round. Trey Lance embodied everything that I'm talking about right now. All the draft experts, and myself included, even, even a June, even a minor league bootleg Fugazi draft expert and, and sports football analyst like myself was on this podcast telling everybody about how Trey Lance is going to be the next great NFL quarterback in the future and the face of the franchise for the 49ers. Well, I was wrong. And I got no problem saying that. I was wrong. God bless him. Seems like a good dude. I root for the brother. But at the end of the day, it didn't work out. And Truthfully, authentically speaking, Brock Purdy was a better quarterback and currently is a better quarterback than Trey Lance, even though Brock was the last pick and Trey was the third pick. And the 49ers moved heaven and earth to move up to get Trey Lance, and it didn't work out. But fortunately for them, the luck of fools, you can call it luck, you can call it whatever you want to, but it, it worked out. 
They took Brock Purdy with the last pick in the draft, and he ends up being a top 10 quarterback in the NFL and currently, right now, a front runner to win league MVP. In my opinion, he saved Kyle Shanahan's job and John Lynch's job because when you trade all that draft capital to get a quarterback like Trey Lance and it doesn't work out, He's a, he's a failure. Call it what it is. Trey Lance was a failure in San Francisco. Not 100% his fault. Not entirely his fault. A lot of extenuating circumstances went into that. It just didn't work out. They found Brock Purdy, and it has worked out. The system keeps going. Everything keeps rolling along. The 49ers are still a front runner, a favorite. One of those teams you talk about winning a Super Bowl, and a big reason for that is Brock Purdy. You could talk about the, the people he has around him, but at the end of the day, somebody is throwing the football. Somebody is running those plays. Somebody is getting the ball to those playmakers in space, and that's Brock Purdy. But the media can't stand it because he proves all of them wrong. No one talks about a seventh-round draft pick being a great quarterback, but he is. It's all about the first-round guys. It's all about the combine and pro days and measurables. It's all about height and weight. It's all about being 6'4", 230, 6'5", 240, whatever the case may be, running the 40-yard dash in 4.3, 4.4 seconds. How much, how much did you bench press? What was your 10-yard shuttle, the three-cone drill, your vertical leap? How'd that look? It's not about playing football. It's all about projections and potential. And what we think a guy might be, prognostication, another word that begins with the letter P. That's what it's all about. And Brock Purdy is a direct affront to all of that. He makes the entire profession look bad, and that's why they're on television trying to malign and slander, deride, ridicule, and marginalize Brock Purdy because he doesn't fit the prototype. He doesn't look like what you think an NFL quarterback should look like. He's barely 6'1", and looks like his mother still picks out his clothes to wear every day. But here he is, being an awesome NFL quarterback. In 17 combined starts, last Sunday against Philadelphia was the 17th start for Brock Purdy, going back to last season. So now, Brock Purdy has played the equivalent of a full NFL football season in the regular season. 17 starts now. In those 17 starts, Brock Purdy has completed 318 of his 456 pass attempts. That's good for 69.7% completion percentage. 4,283 yards, 34 touchdowns, 8 picks, a passer rating of 116.9. In my opinion, I think you, you got to wait a full season, 17-game sample, to really evaluate a quarterback. To me, I think it's unfair to try to condemn a quarterback for not playing well in 5, 6, 7 games. I think that's ridiculous. In my opinion, you got to wait a full 17 to accurately assess and ascertain what kind of quarterback a motherfucker is. And Brock Purdy has now played 17 games, over 4,000 yards, 70% completion percentage, 34 touchdowns to eight picks. Yeah, he's a good quarterback. I think, I think we can stop waiting for the clock to strike midnight. I think we can stop waiting for him to turn into a pumpkin. This is who he is. He's a good quarterback. Why can't we just say that? Why is that so difficult for so many people to say? He's arrived. 
I've said so many times on this podcast, he reminds me of Jeff Garcia, and that's not a bad thing. That's not a slight. He is, he's putting up numbers that we as 49er fans have not seen since Jeff Garcia. Jeff Garcia, by the way, is the last 49er quarterback to put up over 4,000 yards. That was in the year 2000. It's been 23 years since a 49er quarterback threw for over 4,000 yards. Purdy right now has 3,185 yards passing with about five games left to go. Now, barring injury, cross your fingers on that, knock on wood, Brock Purdy doesn't get hurt. He's going to throw for over 4,000 yards. That's going to happen. He's going to put up over 4,000 yards passing, something that no Niner quarterback has done in 23 years. It's him. Embrace him, accept him, warm up to him, and deal with the fact that this is your quarterback. This is the quarterback that we as Niner fans have been waiting on. This is the quarterback that Kyle Shanahan has been waiting on for so many years. He can run the offense he processes information quickly, and that's the biggest, that's his best trait, his best characteristic as a quarterback. That's his biggest selling point. It's not his size, it's not athleticism, it's not even accuracy. He's not always deadly accurate. He's accurate enough. It's his ability to read coverage and process information to get the ball out of his hands into the hands of one of his many playmakers. I heard people in the aftermath of the Eagles game saying that, well, all he did was throw some uh, slants and some quick screens to Debo Samuel, and Debo did all the work. Yeah, that part of that is true. Part of that is true. But people underestimate how difficult those throws are. If you throw an inaccurate pass on a bubble screen, it's not going to result in a touchdown. It's going to result in someone, someone being tackled for a loss or a minimal gain or potentially your guy getting hurt. If you throw the ball too high – that exposes him to injury. That's something that Jimmy Garoppolo did all the fucking time. Hospital balls. What is the definition of a hospital ball? I'll tell you again. That's when a quarterback throws an egregiously inaccurate pass that forces the intended receiver to risk life and limb in a courageous attempt to catch this shitty pass that apparently was intended for Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid, or Giannis Antetokounmpo. If you throw the ball too high... Your receiver now has to jump up to catch it. He's exposed to injury. He's lost all momentum. He has to jump. When he lands, he's going to be stationary. He's going to be tackled for a loss. It does not result in a touchdown. Therefore, it must be an accurate pass thrown directly to him that allows him to make the catch, turn up field, get north and south, and score a touchdown, which is what Debo Samuel did in that Philadelphia game. You got to be accurate. And most of the time, I say about Seven or eight times out of ten, Brock Purdy is deadly accurate. I don't see the hospital balls with the amount of regularity that I saw from Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't see the inconsistent performances. The team scores over 30 a week whenever they win. There's, there's Niner fans that complain about Brock Purdy. What are you complaining about? You have never seen this level of quarterback play for the 49ers since Steve Young. Since Jeff Garcia and Steve Young over 20 fucking years ago, what are you complaining about? If you're a Niner fan, embrace this. You should gravitate towards him. He's awesome. This is the best quarterback we've seen wear a 49er uniform since Steve Young. Let's call it what it is. So many Niner fans are spoiled 
by Joe Montana and Steve Young. The fact is, we have not seen elite quarterback play at that position for that team in a very long time. I love Colin Kaepernick. When Cap first came on the scene, he was like a video game come to life. He was awesome. The most fun-to-watch, must-see 49er quarterback since Steve Young was Colin Kaepernick. Explosive, dual threat, elite arm talent, could beat you with his legs and arms. The fastest man on the field, dynamic athlete, just an incredible football player in his prime when he had good teammates. That's the key. When he had good people around him, once the organization went to shit, Colin Kaepernick slipped and fell off, and then you had the whole anthem protest and everything. Off-the-field reasons that have nothing to do with football are the reason why Colin Kaepernick is not currently on the NFL roster. That's a whole different conversation. I love Kaepernick, but there were some issues with him as far as accuracy, touch passes. Everything had to be a fastball from him. Everything had to be thrown 100 miles per hour. He didn't always have the nuance and intricacies of playing the position that Brock Purdy has, seeing the field, going through progressions, getting the ball out quickly, staying on schedule, in rhythm. Kaepernick didn't always have that. Cap had a whole different skill set. I love Cap, but admittedly, authentically, with full transparency, Brock Purdy is a better quarterback than Colin Kaepernick. You already know where I stand in regards to Jimmy Garoppolo. I never thought... There was a moment in time where I thought Jimmy might be the guy, and then I saw more evidence to the contrary, and I came to the realization that he's not going to be the guy, he never was the guy, he never will be the guy. I saw too much bullshit with Jimmy Garoppolo, therefore I became frustrated with him and you know, just gave up on him. I just couldn't stand him anymore being the quarterback of my favorite football team. I couldn't take it. He ruined multiple Sundays for me. He lost the Super Bowl. He's the reason. We lost Super Bowl 54 because of Jimmy Garoppolo. Nobody's ever going to change my mind on that. The 49ers would have beaten the Kansas City Chiefs in Super Bowl 54 on Sunday, February the 2nd, 2020, if they had a better quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo was not it. He never was it. He ruined the 49ers' chances of winning Super Bowls on three different seasons. Brock Purdy? It's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. It's not even close. The best quarterback wearing a 49er uniform we've seen since Steve Young or Jeff Garcia, take your pick, is Brock Purdy. And he right now, in my opinion, is the front runner to win league MVP. Let's talk about the game on Sunday against the Eagles, an absolute public evisceration taking place in the city of brotherly love. The much-anticipated rematch of the NFC Championship game from last January where Brock Purdy was unfortunately knocked out of the game with a torn elbow ligament on the first series of the game for the 49ers. The Niners in that game literally ran out of quarterbacks. We finished the game with no one healthy and available to play quarterback. Josh Johnson came in. He was abysmal. Then he got hurt. Brock Purdy, God bless him, came back into the game with no arm. Subsequently, the 49ers were humiliated by the Philadelphia Eagles 31-7 as Philadelphia proceeded to move on to the Super Bowl where they eventually lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. What's up, Eagles fans? How y'all doing? They lost to Kansas City, but all offseason, Eagles fans have been crowing about the fact they beat the 49ers and they kicked our ass 31-7. They knocked our quarterback out. They hurt our quarterback. He had to get surgery because of them. 
and the Niners. According to Eagles fans, we're the 40 whiners. All we do is complain and whine and bitch and moan about, well, if we had our quarterback, we would have won. Well, that's you can't prove that. I don't know what would have happened that day if Brock Purdy would have stayed healthy. I respect the Philadelphia Eagles. I think it could have gone either way. I don't know. There's no way to really prove it. But we saw last Sunday what happens when the, when the 49ers have a healthy quarterback and when Brock Purdy can start and finish and complete the football game against Philadelphia in Philadelphia is 42-19. And it wasn't close. The 49ers scored on six consecutive possessions in that game. Six straight possessions. The first quarter couldn't gain a yard. Had six yards of total offense in the first quarter. And we're, and we're losing the game 6 nothing. Could not walk and chew gum at the same time in the first quarter. The second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, whole different story. The Niners scored on six straight possessions. Tell me the time you saw a 49er team being led by Jimmy Garoppolo where San Francisco scored on six consecutive possessions. Debo Samuel, Tyshawn, Raekwon, Debo Samuel, my man, the man who should have a statue of himself already right now in front of Levi's Stadium, the man that gave his heart and soul and everything, every fiber of his being, full display of testicular fortitude in the 2021 season to propel the 49ers all the way to the NFC Championship game, and we saw that same effort that same dedication, that same resolve last Sunday. Three touchdowns in that game, two receiving and one rushing touchdown. Showed up in pregame warm-ups with all black Air Force Ones on. You should have known, the Eagles should have known what kind of energy, what kind of time that Debo Samuel was on. Debo, Trent, and Fred Warner pull up to the game all dressed in black. Didn't even pre-plan this spontaneously just all showed up wearing black and they knew it was about to be a funeral and it was and the eagles died time of death about seven o'clock east coast standard time cause of death the san francisco 49ers kicking their ass that was beautiful on sunday that was a complete total team effort an amazing performance on both sides of the football i give the secondary a lot of credit a lot of respect a lot of props man mooney ward my, my man Jair Brown filling in for the injured Talanoa Hafunga. And then you got Ambry Thomas, a guy that a lot of 49er fans gave up on. Former third or fourth round pick a couple of years ago in 2021. Has some moments, has some opportunities. Played good, but also didn't play good. And a lot of Niner fans kind of gave up on him and turned their back on him. Steve Wilkes implemented him back into the lineup. A couple of weeks ago against Jacksonville, and we've seen Ambry Thomas play the best football of his career. I'm so happy. I'm so proud of him and happy for him that he's been able to resurrect his career and play good football. Diamador Lenore knocked DeAndre Swift the fuck out late in that game. The game was already over. It's garbage time. Jalen Hurts throws a short pass underneath to DeAndre Swift, makes the catch, and immediately is met by number two, my man from the University of Oregon, Diamador Lenore, who proceeds to knock DeAndre Swift all the way back to Georgia. Not even Detroit. He knocked him all the way back to college. That shit was ugly. As a matter of fact, in honor of the Georgia Bulldogs and DeAndre Swift, I wrote a little song about that hit late in the game. It goes a little something like this. 
Who's that coming down the track? Who's that coming down the track? DeAndre Swift don't know where he's at. DeAndre Swift don't know where he's at. 42-19 was the final score. 42-19 was the final score. DeAndre Swift got knocked the fuck out by the Amador Lenore. DeAndre Swift got knocked the fuck out by the Amador Lenore. That's the remix to the uh, Georgia Bulldogs fight song. That hit was vicious, and it was clean, clean football, football the way God intended it, clean, vicious, malicious, but but it was legal, no flag on the play, clean football hit, right in the strike zone, not helmet to helmet, not going below the knees, right there between the knees and the shoulders, the Amador Lenore showed up with bad intentions and separated DeAndre Swift's mind from body and soul. Get out of here. The exclamation point, the icing on the cake, the cherry on the Sunday, on that Sunday of a vicious 42 to 19 annihilation, a beatdown of epic proportions. The much-anticipated rematch, and in my opinion, a preview of this year's NFC Championship game did not go the way the Eagles fans thought it was going to go. Did not go the way a lot of people thought it was going to go. The 49ers showed and proved that when everybody's healthy, specifically, most importantly, 1971, Debo Samuel, Trent Williams, when those two brothers are in uniform and on the field. I'm telling you, I'm not just saying this because I'm a fan. I'm not being biased. I'm not being a homer. I'm saying this because it's the honest to God's truth. When the 49ers are healthy and firing on all cylinders, there's not a team in this league that can fuck with them. It's, it's been proven. Nine wins this season when everybody's healthy. Eight of those wins by double digits. Now, of course, we cannot discuss the 49ers and Eagles this past Sunday without talking about a major incident that took place during the game, a sideline skirmish between my man Dre Greenlaw and the Eagles head of security, a guy by the name of Dom Desario, took place in about the second quarter, still a close game at that point, third quarter, excuse me. Dre Greenlaw picks up Devontae Smith and delivers a German suplex that Kurt Angle, Brock Lesnar, and Chris Benoit would be proud of. German suplex takes him to Suplex City on this play, right by the Eagles' sideline, and the Eagles' head or director of security, Dom DeSario, gets up in the face of Dre Greenlaw. Are you kidding me? When have you ever seen a guy that's not actually on the football team try to intimidate a guy that's currently in the game playing football from the opposing team? This happened. This really happened. And this guy, his name is Dom DeSario, as I just said. Clearly Italian. Obviously Italian. As a matter of fact, he had the Italian flag on his hat, as did Nick Sirianni, the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. This guy is all up in Dre Greenlaw's face, jaw-jacking him, talking shit. These two are about to get into a fight. And Greenlaw, being Greenlaw, doesn't back down, nor should he. He gets right back up in his face. This stopped the game, delayed the game for about 10 to 15 minutes. Everything had to be sorted out. Dre Greenlaw got thrown out the game. He got ejected. Dom DeSario also got ejected. This guy reminded me of Big Pussy from The Sopranos, Big Vito, Bobby Bacalai, Tony Soprano himself. And here he is on the sideline 
getting into an altercation, arguing, cussing out, prop more than likely called Dre Greenlaw and Mulian. Let's be honest. It's the Deion Gordon Podcast. It's what we do over here. The purveyor of authenticity. I just call what I see. An Italian and a brother got into an argument. The Italian probably called that brother a muli several times throughout the entire argument. Call it what it is. I thought it was even more ridiculous the way it was covered during the broadcast. Kevin Burkhart, Greg Olson doing the game for Fox. Fox's number one lead broadcast team. They usually do a good job. This past Sunday, not so much. They're pretty much celebrating, endorsing, got their pom-poms out. They thought it was funny. They thought it was awesome that somebody not even on the fucking team has now interjected himself into the game and trying to intimidate and pose a threat to an actual real-life NFL football player. They gave him unlimited coverage. They had the camera on him the entire time. He became an overnight celebrity in the situation. The NFL didn't think it was so funny. The NFL issued a statement today, a letter uh, to the chief executives, club presidents, general managers, and head coaches of the NFL about conduct of club personnel on game day. The letter reads as follows, quotes, the playing rules of the National Football League and our game operations policies clearly prohibit non-player personnel, coaches, trainers, equipment staff, security officers, or others from making physical contact with, taunting, or directing abusive or insulting language toward opposing players, game officials, or others involved in a game. If an altercation occurs, club personnel are to allow the coaches and game officials to manage the situation, with the officials assessing appropriate penalties with assistance from the league office as needed. Under no circumstances are club personnel to engage with or make physical contact with another club's player or their personnel. This has been made clear on numerous occasions, including earlier this year at the Fall League meeting and in Football Operations Memos 71-23 and 81-23, dated September 13, 2023 and October 18, 2023, respectively. The Football Operations Department will diligently enforce these rules and assess accountability measures on both individuals individuals and clubs as appropriate. In addition to ejection, these may include fines and or suspensions without pay. Please ensure that all members of your game day staff understand that their role does not extend to being involved with game day altercations and that they must refrain from such involvement. If you or a member of your staff has any questions, please contact a member of the football operations department. Translation, stay the fuck off the field. This guy to me is no different than a fan rushing the field and trying to attack one of the players. And it's funny, now that I say that, anytime you're watching a football game and you see a fan run onto the field, what happens? They don't show it. They try not to glorify it. Because they don't want other fans to look at that and, and become motivated and think they can become overnight celebrities and gain exposure and make a name for themselves by running onto a field and interrupting an NFL football game. You see it in every sport, in basketball, baseball, hockey, whatever. If a fan decides they're going to run onto the field of play and try to attack a player or take off their clothes and get ass naked or take a shit on the American flag or whatever – 
the network that's broadcasting the game does not show it. They don't want to glorify it. They're not going to endorse, embrace, or promote such buffoonery. But in this case, in this instance, Fox kept showing this guy over and over and over again. I thought it was bullshit, and I thought it was even more bullshit that this guy was so empowered and felt so entitled that he thought he could get up in Dre Greenlaw's face like that. That's complete bullshit, and that's the mark of an unprofessional football team, and that's what the Philadelphia Eagles are, in my opinion. They allow that. They employ that guy. They pay him. And they sat back and watched that whole thing happen and did nothing about it? Complete bullshit. But in the end, it didn't matter. San Francisco 42, Philadelphia 19. They got their asses kicked. They got sent to the upper room. They got seven different shades of shit beat down their leg, sent closer to God, courtesy of the San Francisco 49ers, being led, of course, by NFL League MVP Brock Purdy. 19 of 27, 314, four touchdowns, no picks, no fumbles, no turnovers, clean football, and led his team to a 42-19 victory. Do you know what that is? That's pretty good. <laughs> See what I did there? That's a play on words. See, I took Brock Purdy's last name, and I kind of made it sound like pretty, and I talked about how good Brock Purdy is. He's pretty good. Old Purdy bastard, Glock Purdy. The next big thing, the suplexorcist, the mayor of Suplex City, the Attitude Era, Brock Purdy, the 2023-2024 NFL League MVP. Stop listening to idiots on television and form your own opinion. Stop listening to someone trying to promote their own agenda, and their own narrative. Stop listening to people talk about the 49ers who don't even watch the 49ers play football. They are 49er ignorant. They don't even watch us unless it's a nationally televised game like it was last Sunday. Well, the 4 o'clock window, America's Game in a Week. Either way, about 25 million people watch this game. The biggest game of this week against an East Coast football team, a prominent East Coast football team, being played on the East Coast so a lot of people are watching it. See, that's the, that's the issue. There's a West Coast bias here. Most people, unless you are directly a 49er fan, you're not really watching the 49ers play football. You don't know. You don't know shit. I watch every game. That's why I can sit here on this podcast and comfortably articulate my thoughts about the 49ers. Why? Because I watch every game. I'm a 49er fan. But if you're not and you only watch the 49ers sparingly in primetime games, Monday night, Thursday night, Sunday night, or America's Game of the Week on Fox, that's the only time you see us play. And if you see Brock Purdy throwing screens and slants and digs and curls that go for touchdowns because of yards after catch, you form the opinion in your head that those short passes is all Brock Purdy is capable of. You didn't see the Buccaneers game. You didn't see Purdy chucking it deep downfield to Brandon Ayuk. You haven't seen all the deep passes this season thrown by Brock Purdy. You don't know any better. You've only seen a handful of 49er games, and then you turn on your television and you watch all the idiots on TV say, I don't think Purdy's that good. He's a game manager. Newsflash, every quarterback is a game manager. In the words of Super Bowl 17 champion, 1983 NFL League MVP, college football Hall of Famer, 
the great Joe Theismann, in the words of old Joey T., Every quarterback is a game manager. There's going to be situations and circumstances in every single football game that requires the quarterback to manage that situation in order to get his team the optimal best results. Every quarterback is a game manager. At various points of the game, you have to manage a situation. I hate that term so much. Just a flagrantly idiotic term. Oh, he's a game manager. So is Patrick Mahomes. So is Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. Every fucking quarterback at some point during the game has to be a game manager. People only say that about quarterbacks that don't put up crazy numbers. Well, guess what? Brock Purdy's putting up great numbers, and his team is 9-3. and three, And they just kicked the shit out of the team that had the best record in pro football in their building in front of their fans. In a game that, in my opinion, going into it, I felt like it was a must-win situation. And that might sound preposterous to say that, that a game on December 3rd, a regular season game, is a must-win for a team that going into it was 8-3. and three. But in my opinion, looking at the bigger picture, thinking about home field advantage in the playoffs in January. I've said this many times before. In 2019, the 49ers reached the Super Bowl. They had home field advantage. Number one seed, Minnesota at home, Green Bay at home. They beat both those teams and go to the Super Bowl. 2021, on the road for the NFC Championship in Los Angeles, lost. Last season, 2022, on the road, NFC Championship in Philadelphia, lost. In my opinion, it's imperative the 49ers secure home field advantage. And winning that game on Sunday is one step closer to doing that. 9-3 behind Philadelphia at 10-2. It, it sounds crazy. It's blasphemous. But I'm rooting for the Dallas Cowboys this Sunday. We need help. Dallas got to take care of that business. In a matchup of two teams that got chokeslammed through a table by the 49ers this season, I need the Dallas Cowboys to stand on business. It's complete and utter blasphemy for a 49er fan to root for the Cowboys. But hey, drastic times call for drastic measures. And I'm looking at the bigger picture. I don't care about nothing else. All I care about is the 49ers getting back to the Super Bowl. And the best way for that to happen, home field advantage. The NFC, the road to the Super Bowl in the NFC should and must go through Levi Stadium in Santa Clara, California. I don't like our chances going on the road. I've seen it the last two seasons. It didn't work out well for us. Secure home field, get a first round by, home games at Levi's, and get to the fucking Super Bowl. And that's just what I think. And Brock Purdy and the 49ers took one step closer to doing that by kicking the Philadelphia Eagles' ass last Sunday at Lincoln Financial Field. Great job. Awesome win. Couldn't possibly be any happier. And Brock Purdy, whether you like it or not or understand it or not, is sitting in the driver's seat for NFL League MVP. The defense rest. And with all that being said, this concludes this edition of the Deion Gordon Podcast. Eternally grateful, always humble, and very much appreciative. And remember, Philadelphia Eagles, I got some advice for y'all. When you see the 49ers tread lightly, like a woodpecker with a headache. Until next time, picture me rolling. Brock Purdy is league MVP. I'm out.